Like, I hate taking a shower because it's like, well, I did this yesterday, I'll do it tomorrow, and it <laughs> never solves the problem. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 74. Today we have a very special Christmas edition guest host. Guess who? Guess woo! <laughs> it's Jeff Woo, everybody. <laughs> we got our good pal, Jeffrey Wu. Uh, welcome, Jeff. <laughs> I think we kind of spoiled that when he said, and I'm Jeff, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good to introduce Jeff as many times as you can. He's a, a man of great renown. Um, Jeff is a an official J-pop. Um, he has a baby boy here. Indeed. And uh, living in Japan now for quite a while. So uh, it's exciting to have Jeff on. And um, he's an honorary guest host. So he's right in there with us. He's going to update. He's going to talk. He introduced himself off the bat. So welcome, Jeffrey. We can, I guess, get right into the updates. I think, Mark, as you have the youngest child, I will throw the updates to you. I guess I'll start by saying that we have done Christmas already. Mm Mm-hmm. I think this is going to come out Christmas Day. We're in Christmas Eve right now, and we've done presents and stuff already. We were kind of thinking that we should wait, mm-hmm. but Christmas here on a Monday kind of sucks because everything just goes on as normal, and yeah. Sunday feels like a better day for it. So instead of like trying to rush in the morning and then do daycare and trying to rush back and do other stuff in the evening, we just wanted to have some time in the morning. So we opened everything. We got everything out and Coda's playing with everything. And Emma's looked at her present and enjoyed mm-hmm. it, I think, for a second. <laughs> Very nice. She's acknowledged the present. She's three months now. Yep. She is three and a half months now. I feel like the fact that they don't have any time off for the Christmas stage is easier to do it the weekend before or the after. Yeah. Um, Saturday nights. Because otherwise, like you said, um, in the early morning and um, need to go to yeah. the schedule and everything. Not to derail updates, but how would you guys feel about moving Christmas to one of those holidays that's like the fourth Friday in December or something? And then, I Uh-oh. mean, it, it, that would be good for the U.S. You would always be off or something like right on that Friday to go into the weekend and probably the Thursday before. In Japan, it makes no difference. You're not getting yeah. off either way. But uh, would you be in favor of adjusting Christmas to be one of those like fourth Fridays or fourth Mondays or something? I'd be up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist. I'm against it. Get it out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You posed the idea. (laughs) (laughs) It was a trap. I was drawing you out. (laughs) Well, I don't care. Now I'm fully for it. (laughs) He's doubling down. Give me Christmas on Fridays. You've bent the (laughs) holiday system to your will by having Christmas on Christmas Eve. We're just going to jump into it tomorrow morning in our mad rush uh, to get going right. you know, for daycare and work and everything. So th- that's going to backfire, and we'll probably have to open presents like Christmas night. That's my guess. Oh, okay. See, I didn't really want to do that because then I'd get him all excited before bed, and I'm, I'm very apprehensive about like messing up with a bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'd, I would rather just do it the day before. I mean, and... You know, what's the difference to him? Yeah. At one year old, they're happy just yeah. to get a present anytime. Yeah. 
Any uh, sickness in the house, Mark? That's your usual update? Or are you guys I know. Happy? I was just thinking, was anybody sick? I think we've all had like a lingering cough, actually, for the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But from the previous sickness, uh, but I think we're okay. Emma had a checkup, but nothing big there. She's a big girl, though. She's she's just over like seven kilos now, which, uh, yeah, it's right at the edge. They give you that range. And I think it's like four and a half kilograms to like 7.2 or something mm-hmm. and she was like 7 or 7.1 so right up there three months seven that's quite heavy yeah she's she's a pretty big girl right now i think also we have a group update we can make which is that i don't know less than 24 hours ago we were all at your house mark having uh uh j-pop's episode 74 right. christmas party all the the wives the children the three of us that was a good time we've replaced Joe this year with Jeff. Yeah, Joe's officially yes. out. And <laughs> they'll have to fight and scrap to get back in next year. But we'll yeah, that was a really good time. It's always nice. We've talked about this before, but you have to generate holidays by yourself if you want yeah. to uh, keep the tradition of a Western holiday going. Because mm-hmm. I think in Japan, Christmas is on par with something like a Valentine's Day in the u.s right where it's like on the day you're like oh yeah it's valentine's day and then maybe you give a present uh between like a young couple or something but it's Mm. not the huge to do that it is in america although they play christmas music everywhere and they do decorate almost everywhere for christmas like a month ahead of time you know so it, it has that in common i think they just really like the music and decorating in general yeah, I think it's just fun and festive. And it's also yeah. always said if there's like money to be made, then any culture will adopt any holiday. Yeah. And I feel like Christmas for Japanese is also the AFC, the fried chicken and a Christmas cake, which is just a re- regular strawberry shortcake. Yeah. Yeah. It's sponge cake. It's sponge cake with whipped cream. It's another hilarious <laughs> thing that. Of all the stuff we do and eat and consume and buy at Christmas, cake is the one thing that is not included. There has never Usually been a never. Christmas cake. There are like <laughs> an assortment of pies. I mean, pies as far as the eye can see, but cake is just not on the list. And then in Japan, they're like, oh, got to get that Christmas cake. I think it's more because it sounds better. It's alliterative. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I honestly don't see people eating pies in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, when's the last time you went somewhere and they sold a pie? That's a good question. They have a lot of tarts, but not pies. Yeah. I've never I've never really seen a pie. Yeah, it only shows up at Costco, which is like forcing American influence like it's <laughs> Disneyland or something. So that's the only time. We had many pumpkin pies at your house, Mark. You, I guess we could say that you made about, uh, what, 12 pies? Um, they were all single serving. They were delicious. Yeah, I made no. I I made sixteen. Sixteen pies. I made sixteen pies. Mini handheld pies. I ate three and a half pies at your house. I don't want to say how many I've eaten. It'll make me feel bad. You should have just said twelve. Yeah, yeah. That would help us all out. Um, And uh, but I guess they no longer exist. There are three left. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Those will be gone soon. Yeah. Nico had a third of a pie. He enjoyed it. Pumpkin, that might be his first pie experience. Yeah, we let Coda have some. That was his first pie experience. He was kind of indifferent to it. Interesting. Nico was eating it up. He can't eat enough. He's a bottomless pit. 
we got a lot of overlapping updates here. Uh, Jeff and I have a big time overlapping update. This is what we did last weekend. So, uh, Jeff, if you want to take it away and explain the situation last weekend. Japanese companies, they have once a year, like end of the year party. And um, companies oftentimes go to restaurants or um, more luxurious uh, overnight hotel. <laughs> and Jeff and I work together. Should yes. Say. Um, so our school actually sponsored a night. Well, technically we paid for it. Yeah. But, um, uh, we spent a night over in Wakura Onsen. Kagaya. <laughs> yeah. Kagaya is reportedly or reputedly like the best Japanese style hotel in the country. And I guess if you're coming from the West, it's like, if you hear like the, I don't know, the Ritz Carlton or Hilton or like one of these big names that you just associate with like the best hotel, then Kagaya is that. And we happen to live just less than two hours away from it um, here in Kanazawa. So, and Mark, you may even live closer to it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty close. I'm like an hour and a half. It's always amazing to me when I hear like these things that like, this is the best hotel or this is the best thing. Because oftentimes I'll go into these places and I'll be like, oh, it's nice. Yeah. But I never get that feeling where I'm like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. I, I feel like it's more the reputation. It's the best. Mm-hmm. But um, right. compared to some of the other onsen hotels I've been to, it's definitely not the best. <laughs> really? Like, it's right. Older and uh, like a lot of things are very... Um, it's outdated a bit. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, outdated for sure. Mm. But I guess they, they have the, like, the fountain inside the hotel and then like... Um, escalator within the hotel building i guess that's kind of rare maybe for an old japanese style yeah um mm. i think too that uh, a lot of what makes it great is lost on the foreign audience because mm. i think the bath at kagaya it's extensive oh. and ridiculous i mean the onsen within kagaya it's the one with like three floors right and there's like an elevator so you you're naked and you like ride the elevator to go yes. to other baths and stuff and oh, then what? When, yeah, when you walk in to the bath area, there's a map on the wall like you're in a theme park, like a you are here, and then it labels all the different stuff. Like you literally oh, name, like a, yeah, like a shopping mall style you are here map just to get around the bath. So, um, oh, it, yeah, that for the Japanese crowd, that's as good as it gets, you know, like if you max out that bathing gotcha. opportunity. And then also their food is top-notch which when jeff and i go we get the dinner at night and then we get the breakfast the next morning but the mm. breakfast in particular it's very japanese there's like a piece of hard cold fish and a lot of like slimy gooey things and you know <laughs> that sort of thing and like a lot of pickles and what all and there's like you know 16 tiny dishes with uh weird little things in them and it's all fine but i was telling mark this the other day i've never really craved that in my life but i think yeah. for japanese people that's probably as good a breakfast as you can have um right. it just i would prefer one waffle over the whole kageya <laughs> breakfast and then the dinner is the same like the dinner is as good as it gets with crab and like all right. kinds of uh delicious seafood and sea urchin and you know sushi it can't be explained how nice the dinner is there's like 500 of us in one room mm-hmm. and, right uh, there's uh, for every four people there's a server pouring beer constantly and that sort of stuff so it's nice but it's definitely in the japanese mold of the year-end party and i think they really love it uh, mm. but for me it's more a cultural experience of like oh that's different that's interesting but i don't really love it love it you know mm. you just go for the beer 
Yeah, I I booze it right up when I'm there. Um, yeah, that's the free food, right? Yeah, I'm experience, and I get to say I went to Kagaya and make Japanese jellos. Yeah. <laughs> and these parties are deceptive because it's like the company's throwing a big party for you. But as Jeff mentioned earlier, we actually pay mm-hmm. into a pool out of our paycheck every month. Um, and I assume this happens everywhere that the company holds back uh, X number of dollars from your paycheck. That money goes into a huge pool that pays for several different things like company right. trips and stuff. So if you don't go, you're basically throwing your money away for nothing. Like you're missing out on this massive. And there's dinner. there's no option for this. Like you have to contribute to that fund, right? You have to contribute. That's just taken right out of your check. But then you can. You don't have to go to the dinner, of course. But uh, if you don't go, they give you like a a voucher coupon. But it's not <laughs> enough. It's not like worth the value of the stay at the hotel and and the the food and all right. That. So you feel or like you're just how much you spent. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you really feel like you're wasting a lot if you don't go. Yeah. And that drives me to go there just because I'm miserly. You also have a buttload of tattoos, so you don't get to enjoy the onsen. I've been to the onsen once when I was younger. When I just started there, I was like, to hell with it. I'm just going to charge in there and, oh, and really? enjoy. And then Gaijin I just smashed it right up. Yeah, Gaijin <laughs> smashed. Uh, and I remember... When I went, there was a professor next to me uh, in the locker room, and he said, like, oh, you've got tattoos. And I was like, yeah. And then we just chatted about it, and then nothing came of it. Like, nothing bad happened. So I think because basically when we go down there in our numbers, it's literally hundreds of faculty and staff from the school. Um, I would estimate between, like, four and 600, give or take. uh, God damn. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, some people go just for the night. Some people stay overnight and have the breakfast so the number fluctuates but it's something around like 500 people uh then we kind of overrun the place and then it's like mm. is my coworker going to complain against his coworker you know that's less likely to happen but um right i've i've been in the baths but also i've never relaxed in a japanese bath in my whole life i just like i sit in the <laughs> bath and i'm like okay now what happens what do we do next? Am I relaxed yet? I don't right. know. And I just want to leave and like do something. I think uh, <laughs> I can't just sit uh, like passively like that. So we need to bring in, we need to bring in a waterproof chess set for you. Exactly. If we had a floating <laughs> chess set, um, I, I feel like unless you're um, growing up with a culture like going into a bath place with naked with a bunch of guys, like it's hard to halfway in. You know, I don't know, man. I'm. I'm fully into like an onsen. I really I enjoy it. It's really it. comfortable, but um, in terms of being in the water and like the warm water, but I don't know, all these strangers around me and I don't know. Being oh, naked. I don't care. <laughs> if it wasn't for the the weird tattoo policies they have here, I'd go more often. But since they're so restrictive, like I have to choose the places I go to or just have like a family bath only. I feel like the tattoo thing is really loosened up, though, compared to the past. Like, a lot of times I'm in the onsen um, place, and I see tattoos, like, right next to me, but nobody's saying anything. Well, tell me tell me when you go into those places and which place that is, because I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> there are some with definite mafia connections, and then tattoos are welcomed, and you'll see. Yeah, like... those are the places I go to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only place I feel comfortable remotely is the, yeah. the mafia-run business. 
I just, I don't like the bath because I don't like that habitual stuff that you have to do every day. Like I hate taking a shower because it's like, well, I did this yesterday. I'll do it tomorrow. And it <laughs> never solves the problem. I just keep getting disgusting. And then it really grates on me. Even like eating. I don't like eating, man. Like I'm just going to get hungry again. Like I like, I want to get into something that progresses or that entertains me, you know, and I have no patience. So you just need a constant food bag, an IV drip. <laughs> Yeah, and then you just go about your business. <laughs> this here's a question, an early uh, theoretical. My question for you is for you guys: What if somebody approached you with the deal? Okay, you're basically gonna never be hungry for the rest of your life. You don't have to eat, right? And uh, can, you're gonna can I eat? No, that's the wager. Oh, so like, okay, you're gonna be healthy. You're never gonna be hungry. You're gonna stay fit and all this. Uh, but then you will never again know the joy of eating anything because you're not allowed to eat anything from that day forward. Mm. Which would you choose? I would easily take the no eating ever again. It's like not even a question. I would say, wow. it. I'm done with eating. Yes, sign me mm. up. I'm definitely the opposite. I love eating. And um, I, I think that's what did distinguish between human and animal because mm. they have no choice. Whatever, however it comes, it's just you eat the way yeah. it is. But as a human being, we get to taste a different yeah. taste, I suppose. The umami, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm full on. I'll eat. Gonna waste a lot of money that way, Jeff. <laughs> I'm I'm with Jeff. I think there's so many social aspects of eating too. It's not just sustenance. It's also like you're going out with friends, you're hanging out, you're doing stuff. And yeah, if you're just that guy sitting there yeah. <laughs> suddenly and everybody's stuff in their face it's like hey, what's dude still doing here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you would lose all your friends <laughs> but that's a price i'm willing to pay just hate okay <laughs> um, I mean, back, back in uni days i had a friend who had a very similar um problem with um sleeping uh-huh. she, she wants to never need to sleep again she thinks it's oh yeah i'm on board with that yeah <laughs> I hate sleeping, man. It's I yeah. fight it every night. I'd never want to go yeah. to bed. I'm a terrible sleeper. If I yeah. could just not have to deal with it. Well, uh, what Jeff and I did, this is how we kind of hijacked the weekend trip. You know, it's a bit awkward because they put you in a room in a Japanese-style inn with eight people, right? So there are eight people per room, and it's a big Japanese-style room, and they, they put the futons on the floor. After you guys have been drinking all that? Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, so man. Everybody gets like a little bit too drunk because, I mean, your glass never gets empty. There's somebody pouring beer for you constantly. So you're just like mm. absentmindedly just drink and drink and drink. That's the Japanese way, I think, at a party like this. So uh, and there's also social pressure and sort of like hierarchical company pressure to drink if the boss drinks. I mean, I don't feel it, but I think in, in the Japanese context, it happens. So yeah, there's a right. lot of boozing going on. And then it's like, well... Now it's off to bed after you're totally full and totally wasted and it's about midnight and uh, you're like carousing up in your room and then you go to sleep and it's just like noisy and too hot and you're sleeping on the floor and it's disgusting in the room, <laughs> uh, which I mean, again, this is like the best place in Japan, theoretically. Uh, so it's it's meant to be quite nice, but I'm just not comfortable sleeping in the room with like eight people who some of them you're sort of like half coworkery friends with, but you're not that close, yeah. you know? So exactly. then Jeff and I cracked the case and Jeff and I booked <laughs> rooms at a different hotel. Oh, wow. The same night. And we brought up our wives and children. 
And so ah. we, instead of taking the chartered bus, we just drove up uh, separately and then we checked into the hotel uh, and then the, the, our respective wives and kids room side by side. Then Jeff hmm. and I, after the dinner, we walked back to the, uh, the hotel and stayed there. So we kind of had nice. our own private little event off to the side. Exactly. Uh, nice. It was pretty good. And then also up there, uh, just a 20 minute drive away from that hotel is the Noto Aquarium, which is quite a big, mm. uh, decent aquarium, especially for how small an area Noto is. Um, yeah. So definitely recommend the Noto Aquarium and you've got the young kids, so they like to see the fish and good experience for them. One little Nico update, something I learned is that he we went to the Fukui Aquarium about a month ago and he was like over the moon there is very happy, but it's kind of a smallish, cheaper one. Uh, it's quite old, but the Noto one's a lot bigger and they have bigger tanks and they have like um, the whale shark mm. and like yeah. hammerhead sharks and these really big fish. And that kind of terrified Nico uh, just <laughs> to be like face to face with this huge wall of the aquarium, like the glass. Yeah. And then, uh, to see a massive, like truly massive fish just slowly kind of moving back there. And I realized, oh, yeah, that is pretty terrifying if you're not used to it it's like what is this thing going to do why is it so big why is it moving around so he actually in the main tank um he started to freak out and then we just had to sort of take him out of that that building Mm. but he enjoyed like the penguins and he enjoyed you know uh, turtles and frogs and littler stuff like that but uh the main attraction he was not on board with that's to see the dolphin and the sea lion show as well that was quite nice they're all flying through the air you know like jumping to 30 feet up and touching a ball and that kind of stuff. So right. I think that left an impression, though it's a moral gray area. Yeah, I don't like that show so much. Me neither, but they're like part and parcel of the aquarium situation here in Japan. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to avoid uh, if you're going to do any aquariuming at all. Uh, another thing I realized about Nico and his fears, like you don't anticipate this with kids, but they're afraid of things that they just haven't experienced and that are kind of scary. Uh, mm. We've been watching The Grinch, the one that came out just a few years ago, the CGI with uh, mm. Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Zach yep. Galifianakis one time called him Benefit Lumberjacks. And <laughs> that's what I think of first and have to remember his real name based on that. So Benefit Lumberjacks was the, um, uh, the voice of The Grinch. It's a good movie. Mark, you said you've seen it, right? You like? Oh, yeah, it's a good Grinch. one. I like that version. Yeah, it's a solid Grinch installment. But there's a little bulldog in that movie just for a couple minutes when the Grinch is going over to that guy's house to try and steal his decorations, like oh, steal right. the sleigh off his roof. And then the bulldog wakes up and kind of catches him and chases him. And Nico is terrified of that scene when that bulldog starts to yap and chase him around. Even though it's mm-hmm. meant to be kind of a, you know, the bulldog's got a bow on its head and it's meant to right. be a, a cutesy, chubby little bulldog. But just the chasing and the barking uh, just freaks Nico out. So in the last two weeks, I learned... Uh, CGI bulldogs and enormous fish uh, terrified the boy. And I, I wouldn't have anticipated either of those things. He's okay with Isla though, right? My dog? Yeah, he loves to see Isla. He knows Isla's okay, name. Cool. Uh, what kind of dog is Isla? A Sheltie. A Sheltie, like a lassie basically? No, it's, she's a Shetland sheepdog. People think they're like miniature lassie dogs, but they're different breeds. Okay. <laughs> Well, he loves to see your uh, probably a medium sized dog, right? You would say I'd say medium size in Japan. If you're in America, she's probably small. 
smallish. But he like points and laughs at Isla and just loves everything Isla does. So he's on board there. But something about nice. maybe the Grinch is his hero and he's getting hassled by Mabel, the bulldog, and he just doesn't like it. Well, uh, those are all my updates. Oh, one more thing about Nico is he is a fussy, fussy boy. And that's what we're dealing with all the time. But he's... Uh, I caught some of that fussiness yesterday. He would just like switch and be like, nope. I don't know if it's just he's at the age where he is now wanting things and has his will and then realizes this is not going according to plan. And then he mm. is still his only outlet is to cry about things. You know, he can't really explain what he wants. So he gets into yeah. fussy mode. But a lot of times he doesn't like the shower anymore. He used to play and play in the shower. Maybe now because it's a bit cold outside, our shower mm. room is freezing. Uh, so maybe he just doesn't like that. But from the moment we step into the shower, it's kind of a, uh, uh, and that'll go on for the, the duration of the shower. Uh, and it'll mm. turn into cries and shrieks and stuff. You don't do a bath in there. It's just a shower. We will run the bath sometimes. Yeah, I don't oh. personally because I hate it so, so much. <laughs> but uh, my wife will give him a bath. And uh, he does. He likes to be under the warm water. But um, mm. when you have to take him out of the water for even a moment and wash him, he's complaining about it. Mm. Moe does the baths for Koda a lot. And she's she always says that he loves just playing in the water. Mm, like she'll yeah. do the shower and then he'll just take his toys and kind of put them in the water and play around. Mm. Yeah. So maybe it's just a boredom for him. It could be. Um, yeah. He's got toys and he, he heaves them into the cold bath water uh, from which they never return. So he, <laughs> he <laughs> leaves it toys. cold. <laughs> yeah. The, if I'm not taking a bath, like I don't heat up the bath water, just sort of sits I there. Gotcha. So. We could change gotcha. a few things, but that's like pretty labor intensive to warm up the bath water <laughs> and like, I don't know, go through all that. So we're on a tight schedule over here. We got we to gotta get in. Get I get it. I get it. Anyway, uh, Jeff, you can give us some Leon updates. Uh, what's been going on for his yeah. first who, year Who is life? your little boy? Yes, my little boy, Leon. Um, actually, speaking of bath, um, the other day we I moved recently. I, I tried to put him in that bath in the bathtub area, wash him first. And the moment he's in that bathtub, maybe it was the first night as well, he was just freaking out. I think it's, I don't know if oh. he's claustrophobic, but he's surrounded like really close. He's like, I want to get out. I, I can't handle this. Hmm. Uh, I had to take him out, had to finish the shower. And then the next day I brought his mat and um, have him sit on the, uh, on the ground. And then he was completely okay. So... Hmm. I don't know how the bath situation is going to be in the future. You just moved into that place, right? Yes. Had you given him a bath in the previous place? In the no, same way? actually, no. Um, oh, it was okay. a floor mat, and then he's sitting on the on the ground, and then I just wash him that way. So maybe just the bath itself was shocking. Yeah, um, he's surrounded. It. I don't know. He was like looking around and freaking out. So poor little boy. And other than that, recently I noticed um, around his stomach and chest area, there's some kind of rash, which I was going to see if the J-Pops have any suggestions. <laughs> oh, good. Let's whiskey. save it for McQuiffy. Mm. <laughs> okay. Mark <laughs> recommends whiskey. Uh, I recommend tabling the discussion until later. So very little help from us on the rash. Uh but let's um let's get right into the segment because I think we need all the backstory from Jeff in terms of his mm -hmm. living situation, his life, his wife, his child, the whole situation. So let's head over to uh segment Kaohsiung. 
<laughs> is Kaohsiung the name of the city? That's it is. South. Okay, wow. okay. So it's <laughs> wow. I was like, "What are you saying?" Let's go to. But Jeff's not from there, just so making I... up Chinese words. <laughs> I was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> let's. Kaohsiung's not really connected to Jeff, so let's go to segment Tainan. Here we are in segment Tainan. Yeah, so um, earlier this year, February, um, my wife um, was in Taiwan already and gave birth to my first firstborn son, um, Leon. And then I managed to get back just within the first month. Leon came a little bit early, and then I wasn't able mm. to be in the room, unfortunately. Mm. But, okay, um, so you were there like right after the birth. Right after. And uh-huh. you live, you and your wife both permanently live in Japan. And, yes, uh, but she was back home in Taiwan to uh, um, yeah. She went back last year, um, and then is this is this a normal thing? Like you would go home before having a baby? Well, I I think in Asian culture, it's typical to go to the wife's family, and then um, after birth, the wife's family will take care of the wife hmm. for um, how long? So it lasts from thirty to ninety days. Damn. To- so in our case, um, we're both from Taiwan. So Erica actually went back mm. to hometown, which is a bit further from my hometown, actually, about two hours by car. Mm. Okay. And um, so Erica was supposed to give birth at my hometown, actually, Tainan. Um, Erica's from Taichu. And um, that morning that Erica was supposed to go to Tainan for another checkup, she woke up and she's like, uh oh, something's not right. Mm-hmm. Oh, to a point where there's no time, impossible to even move to time, even just two hours. Well, one wow. hour of train actually, mm-hmm. it wasn't um, possible. So she actually gave birth in Taichu, the her hometown. And even though all the preparation was um, done in Tainan and the hospitals ready, the mm. center, everything. So my mom and my dad actually drove up a few days later and then with my tiny baby drove them back to Tainan and then sent my wife to the care center. I was terrified. Um, that yeah, tour. that sounds terrifying. Yes. Wow. What a trip. I know. Leon was... Back up for a sec. You said care center? Yes. So, okay. So the next part, um, Taiwan has this Asian, I suppose. Well, no, Taiwan, China, Korea... We have this postpartum um, confinement center. Um, the <laughs> so word is weird in English. <laughs> prisony. prisony. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's a care center where it's pretty much like a hotel. They provide, you have oh. a room, your own bathroom. And then they give you um, the meals. They prepare like six meals a day just to make sure all the nutrition is enough for the wife. And then they have, depending on the type, the the care center you choose, but some, pretty much all of them would have like a nursing center. So they wow. have 24-hour nurse um, on staff and then doctors will come in, come in and out to check on the babies. So throughout the night, you can just, please take care of my baby. I'm going to go back for bed. Hmm. And they would look at the baby throughout the nights wow. actually. Can I do that now? <laughs> Mark and his family are just going to take a vacation to Taiwan. <laughs> move into it. Um, 
But I mean, it's very luxurious. Um, it's typical for the wife's mom to do all this in the past, but it's became hmm. big business um, for these care centers. What's like the average length of stay? Depending on your financial situation, but some people only stay for a week, but typically staying for a month. And you were saying it's not cheap. Yeah, this is something that's not covered. Then this is out of pocket. Out of pockets, yes. Oh, okay. So typically, you would go back to your um, the wife would go back to the her mom, and then her mom will prepare all these meals and then help take care of the baby, basically. And like, gotcha. You were mentioning to me before that um, it's it's very much like a hotel, and that you choose the number of days and then you pay per day. So then Correct. what's like a ballpark figure for the stay? So um, <laughs> here comes the numbers um, for, I mean, cheaper one can be Ichimayan per day. Okay. Okay. But, uh, Very similar unique. to a hotel then. I mean, a cheap yes. hotel yeah. would be a, yeah. But typically you wouldn't, um, for example, the one I went to was about Nimayan uh-huh. per day. Mm. And mm. then it can range from Ichimayan to Gomayan, 50,000 yen. Wow. Damn. Well, 10,000, yen, but they really do everything and they teach mm. you the breast milk. And then if you're having trouble, they're professional to come in and help you. Um, if you need people to help you with um, washing, even mm-hmm. yeah. they give you, like throughout her stay, there was some kind of massage course and you can just leave the child. Um, they really take care of the kid very well. And there's, there's like the glass window. So mm. and- time you can go down and look and then mm-hmm. there's a camera as well so if you're worried at your from your room you can check look at the baby as well so wow that's cool um and just to throw in uh for the people who don't know the yen situation that, that it's roughly call it like 100 200 and then on the expensive end up to four or five hundred dollars per night which um as we we're saying like the 100 200 range that's what you'd pay for a hotel so that seems pretty reasonable but then you realize like oh yeah i never stay in a hotel for a month that is exactly crazy. yeah that's crazy yes. so yeah i actually got to um when i arrived in taiwan my wife was already at the care center oh speaking of which the care center you have to reserve like pretty much more than six months ahead of the time mm-hmm. so you have to mm. reserve a long time ago or even before you have a kid mm. um, crazy get filled up very quickly so anyway so i got back to taiwan and then i stayed with them at the care center actually for oh really um yes the husband can go in and the husband can go in and out easily whereas the wife is more or less confined mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. she can she can check out um you can write a little um note and then you can leave for a few hours kind of thing so i stayed with her for that month and then we came back to top japan during golden week actually so in May, uh, and then your son was born in February. So you had like right. two, three months. Right. There. Um, yeah. Uh, I came back to Japan after the care center and my wife and my son stayed in Taichu, her hometown, mm-hmm. um, with her parents. But then I, we were going to wait till summer vacation. I can go back and pick them up and bring them back. But I realized... Mm-hmm it wasn't really meaningful or effective to have my wife's parents help out. Mm. Um, so I decided to go back during Golden Week and bring everybody back. So mm. there was a month or so I was just here by myself and enjoying my last days of bachelor. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, at a different snack bar every night. Um, exactly. Hostess clubs. God. Jeff's picture was in the paper a few times. Criminal reports. Pass on the streets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to go back even further uh, about your sort of biography and your wife's biography, you guys have such a different situation than what Mark and I have and what we usually talk about. Because Mark and I are basically like a carbon copy of each other. It's like American mm-hmm. dad, Japanese mother, and then we have mixed kids and we're both mm-hmm. in Hokuriku. And it's just like we experience a lot of the same things in terms of like dual citizenship uh, between America and Japan and having the kid mm-hmm. who doesn't look Japanese and this sort of thing. But then having one parent who's fluent in Japanese and then having one parent who's like subpar in Japanese and and that kind of thing. That's like Mark and I are identical. But then you guys are so, so different in terms of what your day to day must be like. I was going to ask you, Jeff, like culturally, do you consider yourself, do you feel more Taiwanese or more American or you've been in Japan a long time too? So how do you feel culturally? There's one time actually on this topic, I wrote a little essay for myself, like what what defines home? What is home for me? Mm-hmm. When I was 10 years old, I moved to the States and studied mm. for eight years. Did you say 10 years old? I 16. Oh, 16. Okay. 16. And I studied from high school, junior year to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was eight years in the States. And then before that I was in Taiwan completely. And then after that eight years, I came to Japan for three years and then went back to Taiwan kind of thing. So um, culturally, I still feel like I'm Taiwanese, 100%. Um, the think the way mm. I talk about my parents, um, my values and things like that. But um, I'm definitely a mix of... Uh, American, Japanese, and Taiwanese culture mm-hmm. when I'm approaching things. Like, I can see why certain things are done a certain way. Um, I can understand their standpoints, but not necessarily agree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, especially from an American, American pers- perspective, sometimes I get quite frustrated how things can be done more s- smoothly, I suppose. Yeah, kind of based on like a logical Mm. practicality or something that seems to be what drives americans a lot of times japanese can be very stubborn um and they want to do everything by the paper whereas taiwan very interestingly it's in between um Mm -hmm. taiwanese people are typically known Mm. for being very passionate and very um you can easy easily talk to people people are always willing to help so there are we have these rules, but we do a lot of backdoors as well. Ah, you know what? That's okay. Don't worry about this. Um, we'll take care, of, take care of it for you kind of thing. Yeah. So that happens a lot in Taiwan. That's a great example of the balance between the two styles because like Japan is only the rules and America is only the backdoors. And then Taiwan has the rules and the backdoors. Hmm. Right. But at the same time, Taiwanese um, culture also get criticized. Like we, we're not like anything else. Um, we... We try to copy an American, but we're not exactly American. We try to copy the, I guess in this case, Japanese, and we're not really full on Japanese. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, ended up not being anything <laughs> sometimes. Well, and then your wife, likewise, is fully Taiwanese. Correct. Her history is a bit different than yours, of course. 
So I was the American version. I went to the America when I was high school students, and my wife came to Japan when she was in university. No, a year before university. So she studied a year of language school, and then took the Japanese SAT, I suppose, um, university entrance exam, and got into a Japanese school, and finished her undergrad um, in Tokyo. She studied for a year. I'm always very impressed. I've been, I've been <laughs> ten yeah. years. Yeah, and I guess throughout <laughs> her university days, um, she, you know, like me, my when I went to American university, uh, my English wasn't um perfect, so I had to some bumps mm. here and there. But so throughout her time at the uh, Japanese university, she had to improve and learn more Japanese. But she had to do like full on thesis in Japanese mm. only. So Japanese is like perfect Crazy. in my opinion, um, business yeah. level and all that. So and yeah, all the uh, honorifics, all of the kago yes. and everything. She knows all the polite formal the language forms. and like in a company. She works in a Japanese company right now. She's the only foreigner in the company actually. And how to use the in group and out group, like when you're talking to the customer, we're talking to the customer about your boss kind of thing. Yeah, I mean this is all Japanese. But her Japanese, hmm. um, I always ask her for Japanese suggestions and questions. But um, so her path is more like the Japan, and I was American. So we found actually share the Chinese elements <laughs> or Taiwan elements together. Well, all of this leads to your child, who is then fully Taiwanese Correct. by his like sort of heritage, mm -hmm. um, genealogy wise. But then he's also got you which is sort of like a half american parents and then he's got uh erica who's like a half japanese parents though you're both fully taiwanese so another difference is that um like within the world of asia you guys are asian you're in japan which is an asian country and you guys also have between the two of you like a lot more japanese fluency than between like even though mark and i have japanese wives when you enter Mark and I into the equation, we bring down the average a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a we lot more like one-sided stuff that has to go on in Mark's and my relationships uh, because it's like, well, you handle this, please, because I don't have a prayer of, you know, dealing with this. But you and Erica can probably <laughs> split those duties a bit better. There, there are definitely times I'm like, oh, Erica, can you just deal with this? I don't want to <laughs> go through it, even though I can understand and I can fill it out. But a lot of times it's just like, ah, I have to do this now. Uh -oh. um, for example, um, getting Leon ready for the daycare at our um, at the facility. Like I have to. There are a lot of paperwork, and I can do them, but this thing I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if possible. So yeah, Japanese. Um, if I without Eric, I, I I can manage to get by, like sign contracts and things like that. Mm -hmm. I've helped multiple colleagues and friends at signing up for cell phone carriers and setting up internets at the apartments. God, that's just ridiculous how much time it takes. But anyway, um, I think I can survive yeah. in Japan um, by myself communicating. And I think if I go to the hospital or get, get into an accident, I can I can get by. Mm. And yeah, Je um, Erica just mm. mastered. I think she catches um, all the small cues from the Japanese. Like one time she went to a clinic with me and at the end of the visit, She's like, wow, that doctor was so rude. And I was like, really? He was? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was yeah. really nice. <laughs> the words he used or something um, was not to the Japanese niceness standard. Yeah. So, but anyway, things like that. I um, often feel like, um, I mean, 
my kid and Mark's kids are just noticeably not 100% Japanese. So somebody can see them from across the room and be like, there's a mixed kid. And then things are subtly changed because of that. Mm. You know, the expectations mm -hmm. and the perceptions are just different even before anyone says a word to or about the kid. But do you feel like that you and your wife and your kid blend in more just with Asian heritage and then better Japanese ability? Or do you feel like you're still noticeably different? I, I think definitely a lot of people, um, when they first see us, when we walk into a restaurant, they just think of us as Japanese. And mm. usually, especially for er in Erica's case, after talking for a while, they'll be like, oh, so you're not from Japan kind of thing. Mm. I think the Japanese level is really to hmm. like a just like a normal Japanese. Whereas when I speak, I think I still have some accents hmm. and um, some of the words I use are not hundred percent accurate. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we definitely get misunderstood as Japanese a lot, and um, even to a point where sometimes when we're outside, I try not to use Chinese because I don't want to be seen as a foreigner because. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, if they see a foreigner, Asian-looking, and speaking non-Japanese, immediately, oh, this is just a, another Chinese couple, which I'm not a fan of. That's interesting. I'm actually, I'm curious, like, do you notice that switch then in people around you? Like, if they think you're Japanese at first, and then suddenly you go into, like, maybe Chinese or English? I notice, but at the same time, is it me being too sensitive? <laughs> it's... Yeah. Um, hard to judge yeah so sometimes I, I do notice a little bit difference and um for example in the past i walk around town with nick my good old friend um with him i can just rely on okay we're a foreigner you know we're together yeah, he's a white guy or the japanese just look at me as if i'm japanese completely and talk to me every time even though they're talking about nick or like something on his end kind of thing it's such a different experience. And right. sometimes I've known, uh, I've worked with people in the past who were uh, of Asian heritage, but then having absolutely no Japanese at all. And they come to Japan and then it's like a weird hmm. experience in that everyone expects them to just be able to understand and speak. And then hmm. that's frustrating in its own way. Uh, whereas Mark and I, I think, get the opposite side of the coin where no one expects you to understand or speak and then that's yeah. that's generally accurate <laughs> because we do misunderstand a lot but it's also frustrating in its own way when like <laughs> you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress never even looks at you sometimes because mm -hmm. they're like uh not worth the effort i'll just talk to the japanese person <laughs> you know and they just they look at the wife only yeah uh, and then you're like don't give me the cold shoulder you know but it, it's kind of like annoying no matter how you cut it you know no matter what your background is but i wonder if uh there's some little annoyances with the kid, like um, before when Nico was even one year old, people would see him as a mixed kid. And then he would often get comments like that he's cool or something. And I'm like, well, he's not cool, is he? He's a baby. Like there's literally nothing different about him and any other baby. They're just sitting there doing nothing. But then mm -hmm. to have something layered on, which yeah. is a weird complaint to make because it's vaguely a positive thing. Like, oh, he looks different and that's interesting and it like get gets attention for him, which is it's kind of a double edged sword, I guess, more positive than negative. But it's like you, Nico can never enter a situation where it's neutral. It's always something is being put on it before yeah. anything's known about him or, or anything. Mm -hmm. So, do you think that your kid has had that, or you think people just kind of treat your kid like he's like just one of the group here? 
on the surface level, I think he is treated like a, one of the kids here. But at the same time, the moment they see his last name, oh, this is not a Japanese kid. Because my last name, even though it's a kanji, it's not a typical Japanese kanji. So they didn't have that last name. Um, Leon, um, first name wise, it's I, I purposely picked this name so that's common Japanese name as well. Um, in Japanese, it would be R I O N technically, but I wanted a name that can be used in English, Japanese, and Chinese actually. So uh, on the name level, it's okay. Hmm. But for example, if we need to make a reservation or like uh, make an appointment for the clinic. They would know immediately. Oh, this is not a Japanese kid, Mm. or one of the parents is non-Japanese. There's that common idea among foreigners in Japan that there's, as you mentioned, there's definite in-group, out-group, and then this has been a long-held sort of belief is that if you're in the out-group, you're in the out-group. Like there's no way to get into the in-group. And uh, I was reading a book recently that said in Japan. If you're in the out group, people are very polite, maybe the politest in the world, but they're not warm. Mm. And that's quite a difference. So there's like a, a sort of barrier that goes up there. And I guess you guys, it's interesting because you seem to have one foot on either side of the barrier between uh, heritage, language, but then also somewhat being in the out group. It's mm. like you get both experiences, which is interesting to me. Yeah, for example, um, Erica's colleagues um, invite her to their house, which... Um, it's very interesting from my perspective, like, oh, wow, thank you for like inviting us to your house. And I mean, it's completely Japanese and we're just having like dinner parties together, things like that. But um, I feel like it's quite different. You mentioned at the party we had here last night that you just recently got your permanent residence. Yes. And so that both you and your wife have been on visas yes. until you got the new house. Correct. Um, I I was on the working visa. My wife is still on the working visa, actually. Okay. In order for my wife to apply for a permanent residency, we have to be married for three plus years. It hasn't been. Oh. That long. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. So what is what does your son have then? My son, when he came in during Golden Week, he was the tiny tourist. <laughs> <laughs> for a month his first <laughs> vacation his passport's like five centimeters tall right <laughs> just little and crown drawn pages with gibberish in the passport it says um that he's a tourist and um on the website he can switch his status from a tourist to a, a long-term residence okay but then when we go through immigration they were freaking out What's he gonna do? Um, he's gonna switch. Uh, that's okay. He's gonna steal something and go home. Is he a terrorist? <laughs> so uh, it was quite hard. Um, but anyway, we managed to switch him from a tourist to a long-term visa. Does this mean that you guys don't have any koseki or anything like that in Japan? Then we don't have any koseki at all. And that's the family register. That's sort of like almost like a. Birth certificate for the household or whatever yeah. that just registers your family presence in Japan through the generations. And oh, koseki, which is the nationality. God, for a while we have to write Chinese. By the way, um, it was a government thing. But nowadays, for some reason, we we can um, fill it in as Taiwan. I'm quite surprised. Oh, nice. On my residence card, it's also Taiwan. Um, Yeah, so I'm quite happy about that. Well, actually, on the residence card, it was never China, but like at City Hall, 
Uh-huh. Um, oh. The city hall, there's a nationality box. Yeah. And in that would be China, comma, Taiwan. God, uh-huh. I drove crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it did. Don't publicize the fact that you can register as Taiwan only now because <laughs> China will cut off all diplomatic relations with Japan. <laughs> they'll listen to incident. this one podcast exactly. and cut us off too oh man <laughs> when when um, erica and i got married um when we were submitting the paperwork in the nationality section because we're a foreigner we have to write and they're like mm. oh please write china and i intentionally tell them i'm gonna write taiwan if you need to change your system do it but i'm mm. not gonna write china in this box nice mm. yeah hold your ground yeah that's some geopolitics in real life. That's so interesting to see that kind of discussion happening between two real people uh, as right. opposed to mm. just playing out in the news or some, you know, ministers complaining about something uh, from behind the podium. I do have one more question about this before you go on. So you I mean, you guys, you had Leon over in Taiwan and then came back. Right. And I assume the intention is to live here for a while. Correct. So I guess my question is, how are you planning to infuse like Taiwanese culture and Japanese culture into raising Leon so that he gets a bit of both? Um. So at home, it's like, for example, at home, we just use Chinese with Leon, unless I'm reading. Okay. Sometimes I read Japanese books. And whenever we're talking to the grandparents, always it's full on um, okay. Chinese. And um, in the future, of course, we'll visit Taiwan frequently. And the ideal is if he can go to a Japanese university and then do like a, a year abroad in Taiwan. Uh, I see. I've, uh, I've known some people who did that. So that's kind of your first intention, intended plan to have him living maybe in Taiwan is like when he's much older. Yeah. Um, just okay. so he doesn't lose his roots. And I don't know. Interesting. In the English elements, but probably have to rely on the Uncle Mark and Uncle Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, can... yeah. Just bring him over. We'll, yeah. We'll talk his ear off. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, the kids will spend the night with each other, and that'll be interesting. Leon right. will have to mm. come at it with the English a little bit, uh, with the foreign crowd that he's friends with. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about your language breakdown in the house because uh, Mark's house and my house it's pretty much the same it's english in the house is almost 100 percent, and then out there in the world the japanese comes on and uh then if you literally if you break it down hour to hour like all the hours you're spending with the kid versus all the hours the grandparents or the hoikoin speaking mm. japanese to him it in my case it's almost exactly 50 50 so that's yeah, where you, yeah you kind of get your 50 percent japanese 50 percent english by that inside the house, outside the house division. But what would you say is the percent breakdown between the three languages you're working with? So in terms of in a 100% scale, um, I would say 90% Chinese and then 5% Japanese, 5% English. That's at home and yeah. just his daily life. Okay. Maybe 10% English because um, reading and TV time, any TV, it's all in English only. And you do English books as well, but you also have Japanese books. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. And then very soon he's going to get into the daycare, the hoikuen, and then that'll be half of his day basically will be Japanese. Right. Yeah. Mm. So it seems like English is going to get into like the single digit territory pretty soon. Right. Because mm. you guys will have sort of like a Chinese household, Japanese 
out there situation. And then with a little trickle of English through books and, and TV and a bit of what you say to them. Exactly. Um, and another thing with Erica is she went through the education system university in Japan. And so her English is very much like Japanese English. Whenever I say something, I have to change the Japanese accents because otherwise she cannot understand. Um, McDonald's McDonald's is like, what's McDonald's? Oh, McDonald's. Oh, now I understand kind of thing. Uh, so when I use Japanese uh, English with Leon, sometimes um, uh, Erica would respond with it, not the best pronunciation of English. So mm. English is really hard if... I've heard parents where they use a third language between each other and then try to help the kid just to have more exposure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's going to be hard because yeah. English is on my own. And Uncle Mark and Justin. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a lot of it's up to you and me, Mark. Uh, a lot of yeah. pressure there. <laughs> that It's kind of like, um, I mean, anytime you can do bilingualism, that's a massive gift to your kid. I mean, imagine like, a lot of people go to college specifically for one language and then you're yeah. just giving your kid the equivalent of like a college degree just by speaking a second language around them. You know, that's, it's that yeah. valuable. It's even better because they're perfectly native and fluent. But right. then if you can dip into trilingualism, it's like, Oh wow. It's like mm. almost an exponential gain. Like this kid's just valuable in all these different realms, you know, being able to communicate. This is barring, of course, massive technological development in the future that right. renders like translation kind of useless, which may or may not happen. But um, it seems like English as kind of the lingua franca is something that um, it would be great if Leon could just pull it naturally. But mm-hmm. um, man, it's got to be hard to balance between three languages to try and oh, slip yeah. in, especially the third place one that's not that integral to his daily life. Yeah. That's a tough balance to strike. Yeah. I feel like they're all a little bit different too. So it's not going to be like a smooth transition. Whereas if you're like learning Spanish and English, there's some carryover. Yeah. But like yeah. Chinese to Japanese to English, you're like, these are three completely different like categories of language. <laughs> that all being said, though, I mean, Jeff, you know, the struggle of just I'm 16 and now I have to enter an English speaking school and like the difficulty of getting over the hurdle of learning the right. language to your level of native speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, if Leon could come up with that, that would be amazing. But yeah, I have, I have another friend uh, who... He's American, his wife is Korean, and they live in Japan. So it's like at home, it's Korean, English, and then at, uh, I mean, Korean and English, and then at school, it's Japanese. And she's doing pretty well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But of course, it's a different situation because each parent has their own native language, whereas you and your wife have the same native language. Right. Pretty much the reason I picked Erica. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody you can finally talk to. (laughs) Yeah, it's, man, if you could... uh, just given the importance of English as time goes by, I mean, Chinese is quite important uh, yeah. worldwide on the global scale, uh, English for the daily or Japanese for the daily life here, but then English on the global scale as well. It would be mm-hmm. great if he could come out of his childhood with like a level of fluency in it. Right. Um, just a little update on my side. Um, I do have Leon in the room with me. So excuse our random mm. once in a while um, child noise. Yeah. He's having fun chewing on whatever yes. your wallet. You've, you've artfully kept him quiet by letting him chew on your wallet. That's a good parenting move. Hard to get through leather with only, what does he have, five teeth now? Yes. Uh, 
Well, uh, that's it's very interesting. We could make a separate podcast just talking to Jeff about his his life, mm. uh, but we can get on with our useless humble segments that we do here on the (laughs) j-pops the next one of which is japati so japanese of the day yeah jeff's bringing it today what do you got jeff um today it's a word i learned recently from my students we always talk about christmas or like thanksgiving uh halloween and the word, the verb is celebrate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celebrate the holiday. And I was trying to um, translate this, like, do you celebrate um, Christmas? Do you celebrate Halloween into Japanese? And I realized mm-hmm. it's not just suru, not just do. They actually have a word for celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's called iwa-u. 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 Mm-hmm. And then I asked um, peop- uh, ask my students and Japanese people, like, do you say christmas iwaimasu and they're like no we don't say that but iwau is celebrates Mm. i'm like when do you use iwau uh i um (laughs) so today's word (laughs) iwau a word that apparently nobody ever (laughs) uses i guess celebrate birthday uh it's kind of weird you would just be like do you will you do something for birthday or do something for christmas Anyway, <laughs> let's celebrate. Yeah, it's interesting because like if you celebrate uh, an achievement or something, there's mm-hmm. a different vibe to that celebrate than to celebrate Christmas, which almost gives a little bit of a deeper sense of like you abide by the traditions of something than mm. you celebrate it rather than celebration in terms of just having a party. Uh, mm. So, yeah, maybe that's where they do that kind of fine line, like cutting between two meanings or something Uh, this reminds me of i always learned studying japanese that to retire is Mm -hmm. intaisuru right right Mm -hmm. and then every single time i've tried to say intaisuru they're like it doesn't really work here it just doesn't work (laughs) like someone like somebody gets old they decide to leave their company when they're in their 60s and then i ask like oh so you retired and they're like ah that's it doesn't it's not exactly right and And i can never figure mm. out when to use that word though it apparently means retire but the the funny follow-up question is like okay so when do you use it yeah Uh, well (laughs) well (laughs) then don't use this word like retire the word then yeah exactly yeah The feedback I always get is uh, they say like when you've fully finished like a full run of the career and you're totally done, then you've retired. And then my follow up is like, (laughs) (laughs) then my question is like, well, that's what you did, right? You had a lifetime in that career and retired and like, yeah, but it's different. It's different. And I can never get it straight. (laughs) Let's retire the Japati for today and let's get into McQuiffy, which is also from Jeff. So my question for you today is, um, Leon recently has started to have some kind of rash, some like, looks like bug bites, but I'm not quite sure on his chest mm. or like the back of her ne- of his neck. So what to do, any suggestions or any advice for this kind of situation? This is familiar because I think Coda just went through this this year earlier but I do not remember exactly what we did. <laughs> you just look the other way, Jeff. 
<laughs> I feel like it was one of those where we took him to the doctor and this happens a lot. And they're just like, here's some cold medicine. Wait till it goes away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, here's some placebo and uh, yeah. time will heal all wounds. I do know uh, there are some creams basically for like itchiness that you can buy over the counter. Uh, mm-hmm. In America, there's something called A&D ointment, which um, is used for diaper rash a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the names of these things in Japanese, but you can buy similar creams and ointments for itchiness for babies. Is it itchy? I don't think so. He doesn't really scratch it. But when I um, touch it, it's like bumpy. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like Coda's then. I think it was one of those kind of weight seals. There's one other thing. It doesn't sound like it's this, but uh, a lot of times the- Jeff's cracking up over there. <laughs> Jeff's just laughing up a story. He's got a real baby's laugh. There's another thing that uh, there's little insect-like things that supposedly live in tatami, like very, very tiny bugs. And then they, they also live in uh, the the bedding. Uh, it's not bed bugs, but it's like little bugs that are known to bite. So you can buy little sheets, uh, like they're little um, square kind of ah. sheets that you can take they're uh, adhesive and you can put them mm. like underneath your sheets and underneath your mattress and what all and that's supposed to cut down on those little bugs which we had kind of an issue with mysterious itchy what looked like bites on nico of course my wife and i weren't getting them like sleeping in the same bedding but um we bought those those little sheets and put them here and there so that yeah. can be a precaution um i think i found them at the drugstore and it's, i don't know if they're called bed mites yeah, mites maybe. Yeah, mm. and um, they don't bite adults, but um, kids' skin are soft and delicious enough. They actually <laughs> so interesting. But yeah, um, that's thanks, guys. Um, I'll try to find a cream for Leon. Yeah, good luck. We've got time for some dad jokes. As always, it's a podcast. Time is unlimited. So, <laughs> I've got three. I've got two. I have a few. Maybe. Oh goodness. Okay. <laughs> oh. Uh, my cachet of dad jokes today are all dark. That's the theme. Ooh, okay. So, wow. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> uh, this is the diehard Christmas movie of dad jokes. It's brutal and dark. So the best one. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the first one says, give a man a plane ticket and he flies for the day. Push him out of the plane at 30,000 feet and he'll fly for the rest of his life. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that with a an airline related joke okay, as well. Good. Why did the airport have mistletoe at check in? Nobody. Nothing? No idea. Okay, so you could kiss your luggage goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those airports always losing the luggage. I've never had that happen, by the way. Oh, so yeah. I don't know who's losing their luggage and how it happens, but it's never happened to me. yes um here's another one child related i was raised as as the only child which i think was really hard for my sister (laughs) ouch (laughs) jasmine (laughs) and a couple other what's what's blue but not very heavy I don't know. I got many, an answer many, for this, but I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. Light blue. <laughs> oh, great. Nice. <laughs> the most innocent choice of all the answers. <laughs> Could have worked. Um, another one targeted my sister. My sister thinks she's so smart. She said the that onions are the only food that makes you cry. So I threw a, a coconut at her. 
<laughs> and then the last one, what's the scariest plant in the forest? No idea. Mm, no. Bamboo. <laughs> nice. That's that's a proper dad joke. Yeah. It's on target. This one, another in the dark series here. As I get older, I remember all the people I lost along the way. Maybe a career as a tour guide was not the right choice. <laughs> nice. Well, pretty dark. Uh, I've got a nice Christmas one. Oh, well, perfect. not Christmas, but it's uh, it's it's pretty Christmassy. Uh, what do you call Frosty with a six pack? I don't know what. An abdominal slow snowman. <laughs> oh wait! Oh wow! <laughs> I thought it was going to go to beer, like a frosty six pack, and I, I couldn't get anything there. <laughs> uh, Head still at that party. <laughs> <laughs> the last one here for me, it says, my grief counselor died the other day. He was so good at his job, I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really did go dark. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what happened. Merry Christmas, everybody. Okay, I forgot that I have an another update. This is a late breaking update, late in the episode here. Uh, on the very first episode of J Pops, my uh, sister Paige was our guest, as everyone will remember. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned before that she was going to have a baby. She had that baby, my friends, uh, just about Ooh, like twelve hours nice. before yes. we're recording this. So this wow. morning we did a FaceTime chat with her and saw the new baby. His name is Caleb. He's in California right now, and uh, he's cool. not even a day old yet. So we're wow. keeping the streak alive in my family. Uh, one of my sisters had a kid in 2020. My other sister had a 2021 baby. We had a 2022 baby, and now my sister Paige had a 2023 baby. So the grandkids wow. are just like falling right in order in our in our household there back in Very Kentucky. cool. Anyway, congratulations to Paige and Matt, her husband, and new baby Caleb. Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on the site formerly known as Twitter at JPops Podcast or by email at info at the Talk to you next time. Yeah. Christmas time. <laughs>